When you're navigating the complicated world of real estate, you want someone you can trust holding your hand along the way. Here's just the right person and just the right program. It's the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show, an advertising feature on AM800. Here's your host and broker owner of the Dan Jemis Real Estate Team, Dan Jemis. Good morning to you and happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. One of my partners, Kathy Talbot, in the studio with me today. Hi, Kath. Good morning, Dan. You came back today after last week. I did. I you thought can't for get sure rid of me. I scared you away. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> I'm not that easy to get rid of, Dan. Oh, boy. We'll try something else next week. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> we have tons of great stuff coming up. A bit later on in the show, we chat with uh, Joanna Connolly, an editor with uh, REW.ca, about the recent report that reveals it's not only first-time home buyers visiting the bank of mom and dad for their home purchase down payments. We'll find out what's happening there in just a bit. Uh, are you like me and wish you had access to true high-speed internet from home? Well, there's a project taking place that aims to get high-speed fiber optic to every home in Western Ontario, including my home and Andrew's home. We're excited because we both have very slow internet in our neighborhoods. So uh, we'll, we'll learn more about that. So Kath, how was your, how was your weekend? Lots going on this week. I had a great week. You got some gardening time in, didn't you? I did. I mixed business with pleasure, which is perfect. That's never a bad thing. Kath has the most gorgeous garden that she's been working on, and, and it's not often you get time in the garden, so I'm happy you've been uh, getting some time in the garden. You have a beautiful pond. Yes, thank you, Dan. And Me you, too. You That's one of my passions. You yeah. didn't go swimming? Oh, no. I fell in <laughs> once, though. Did you really? <laughs> Where was Andrew to tape that when that was happening? Yeah. That would have been awesome. You got a new cell phone this week? I got the six, the iPhone 6 Plus. Yes, the iPad mini to your face. Yes. It's huge. It, it is an adjustment, but you know what? I'm loving it. So we're all taking side bets in the office. <laughs> Don't on, say on it. On how long it's going to take to drop Kath's cell phone. Yes, because but I, I just got the new OtterBox. It doesn't, you'll still drop it. But it's it won't, a good thing. But nothing will happen oh, to it. Break. That's what they're telling it's me. It's huge. All right. <laughs> it is big. It is, I have to admit. But I like the larger screen. I just need to get used to it. Uh, well, um, we're going to start the show today. Um, I found this fun report. Uh, it's the ten, the top ten things buyers hate about your home. So I thought we'd uh, we'd have a fun topic uh, to start off the show. Um, it doesn't relate to just home buyers. Uh, it can be, you know, the top ten things your friends hate about your home or your, <laughs> <laughs> and they just don't want to tell you exactly your your parents or your whatever. So um, we have the list in front of us here, Kath. We're going to go through some of them before we uh, get rolling with the show. Um, number one, bad smells. Mm -hmm. We come across that a little bit, don't we, Kath? Oh, we sure do. It's um, There's times when you just walk into a home with buyers and it's not pretty. No, it's the first thing you notice, actually. Well, it's the first thing you notice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, go ahead. Cooking smells, pet smells. Basement Sm yeah, smells. Smoking smells. Smoking, yes. Not just cigarettes. Um, we, we've, <laughs> I've we've been in some of those. Yeah, we've had some of those too. And you, you think, I've had some where I'll, I'll show a house and uh, walking with the buyers and there's some paraphernalia left on the table. And you think to yourself, okay, you knew we were coming to show your house. At least put the stuff away. Isn't that something? Number two, we have dirty houses, especially bathrooms. That's an easy tip. And again... Clean your house if you have a showing coming up. Um, but it, this this number two, because there's number two and number three. Number three is offer that lived-in look. Don't offer the, the lived-in look. So make your bed, that kind of thing. But going back to number two, clean your house. You have like dirty grout 
you have, you know, sweep your floors, clean your tables. Yep, dishes in the sink. Some people hide them in the oven. Yes. And believe it or not, some buyers <laughs> look in the oven. They do. They look in closets, cupboards, and ovens. Oh, it's kind of smart. Yeah, you have a lot of people that will try and just stuff stuff in closets, which is fine. I guess, it, listen, if you've, if you've got two options, one is on the counter on the bed or in the closet, okay, put it in the closet. <laughs> but it's probably not a bad idea to find, uh, you know, a better place. Storage. Get a, get a storage um, a storage bin or put it, you know, at your, at your brother's house or your, <laughs> your mother or dad's your house. house. Dan. My house. <laughs> Kath's got a big yard. Um, number, so number three, yeah, the offer that lived in looks. So that's obviously, you know, the obvious. D- make your bed. Put your, organize your, your couch and your, you know, your, your pillows and that kind of thing. Number four, poor lighting. You want light, bright, and inviting. So, and that, that makes sense. Open your curtains. Yes, and one of my pet peeves is burnt out light bulbs. I yes. can't stand it, even if there's just one out, as you know, in the office. <laughs> what? If there's even one little bulb, we don't I'm have burnt you. out light bulbs. Yeah, we do. <laughs> but really, it's true. When you flick on the light switch and one out of six bulbs comes on, yeah. this is not good. And it's especially noticeable in bathrooms, right? When you have um, a fixture with three light bulbs and two of them are out, it yeah. makes a huge difference. You want people to be able to see, unless you're trying to hide something. <laughs> Nick's on the wall. That's actually a good idea. There you go. Don't bother painting. Just just burn out some bulbs. Take some bulbs. <laughs> Loosen out your light bulbs. Uh, you'll hide those marks. Uh, number five, uh, garish walls and wallpaper. Now, I'm no homestager. We'll, we'll have to ask Monica when yes. she's in. But I think, am I wrong in saying wallpaper is coming back? That's what she told I us. I know. I can't believe it. That's... <laughs> well, everybody has different personal taste, right? Yeah. And some people like all the lines and squiggles and some people like kind of plain, but... Well, and there's one thing <clears throat> with, you know, it's one thing to have new wallpaper like updated modern wallpaper yes but we're talking about the 1960s 70s wallpaper or wallpaper that's peeling off yeah it's water stained yeah um and garish walls so painter walls that's that's huge i know my house it's only a few years old but with a two and a four year old running around our walls are a disaster so if i were to put the house up on the market um you know we'd, we'd have to paint right uh shaggy yard and landscaping that's huge because when you pull up, first impressions are everything. You know, it reminds me of um, a house that we showed uh, this week, actually, and the grass was 10 feet tall. 10 feet. I'm exaggerating. <laughs> it, was, it was like a maze. You have to, you know. <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was tall. Like, cut your grass. Yes. Uh, you know. Um, trim the shrubs. Pull the, the weeds. Shrubs. And even if you don't want to put huge, expensive flowers... At least tidy up around what you do have. And, and Kathy loves gardening, like I was saying at the beginning of the show. So if you need some help oh, with no. landscaping, <laughs> give us a call. We don't I've, just we don't just sell sell homes. We we do hey, gardening listen, too. I barely have time to do my own garden. That's okay. Wall to wall carpeting. That's probably one of the bigger ones I'm seeing on this list that really stand out to me. In t- in today's world, buyers do not like carpeting. No, they really no. don't. You know, if, if there's one place that that they don't mind it is the basement. Because the floors are typically a bit colder, right? Yeah. Um, or if you're like us and you have young children, we when we built our house, we put carpeting in the kids' rooms because you end up, you know, they're crawling or they're running yeah. around, they're playing on the floor. So we ended up putting carpet in the kids' rooms. But in the future, I, I'm, my guess is we're going to extend the hardwood out to those uh, those kids' bedrooms. So if you are out there renovating your house, um, carpet is probably not the best thing um, for buyers, uh, on pushing your main floor. That's right. Right. Um, next neglected and cluttered entryways, an instant bad impression. Again, like you were saying, that's the first thing people see when they come into your house 
And so you want to make sure that, um, you know, it's clear and it's appealing. <clears throat> I think Kath can vouch that within the first, I'm going to say 10 seconds oh, yeah. from somebody walking into your house between the smell and how it looks from the entryway, you will either have a, ooh, oh, I like this, or a, hmm. Yep. They make instant decisions. Yep. <clears throat> Number nine, we have your pets. Oh, that's, that's a big one. Another big one, eh, Kath? Um, if you have a house and if you have, oh, if you have a house, most people have a house or they live in a house, um, pets, if they, if they, if they're a larger pet, typically they might have a bit of a, um, a scent. And again, it could be just a light, a light scent. Um, if it's just rained, <laughs> yeah. right. You have wet dog smell. Yes. Um, so litter boxes, litter, litter boxes, boxes are huge problem. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And some people are allergic to pets. Yep. So, and some people are afraid of pets like me. Yep. And so if you have a dog, like poor, poor cat. <laughs> just, <laughs> I never used to be afraid of dogs until... What when... happened? Somebody attacked you? <laughs> yes. In the kitchen. He was sitting in the corner minding his business. Everything was fine. All I did was move my chair like a quarter of an inch. And in a split second, that dog was at my feet with his mouth around my arm. Oh, no. So after that, I'm very leery of dogs. No, no. Okay. And last but not least on the list, the one of the things the buyers hate about your home is you. <laughs> Is they hate you in it while we're showing the house. That that's a funny one, but it's true. You do not yeah. want to be in the house while there's a showing. It's very uncomfortable for buyers, and uh, typically buyers just want to get out because they're uncomfortable. So yeah. get out of your house if you have a showing. Um, I know we tell all of our sellers that uh, we we strongly advise you leave the house. Uh, if you go for a walk across the street, go outside to the yard, to the yard, anything. You want you want to get the um, the buyers to feel comfortable about walking through your home. Okay, there you have it. Coming up next. Um, what do we have coming up next, Kath? Let me just look at my list here. Oh, yes, the bank of mom and dad. Oh, that's going to be interesting. That's going to be a huge one. So uh, <laughs> stay tuned. We have more to come. You're in the right place for the best real estate advice in Windsor, Essex. It's the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show, a paid program on AM800. Back to the show with your host and broker owner of the Dan Jemis Real Estate Team. For those looking to buy their first homes, oftentimes the only thing standing in their way is the required down payment. The go-to solution for that cash is often mom and dad. But a recent BMO home buying report tells us the bank of mom and dad is not just being tapped by first-time home buyers anymore, but also those looking to wait for it, upsize their homes. Joining us today to tell us all about the report is Joanna Connolly, the editor of Real Estate Weekly Newspaper and REW.ca, Greater Vancouver's leading real estate portal and source of market news and home buying and selling advice. Hi, Joanna. How are you? Hi, Dan. I'm well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Of course, thanks for joining us. So quite the interesting report we have here. Yeah, it's really fascinating. You know, there's this perception that uh, once you're on the property ladder, you're, you're, you're all set, you're good to go. Um, and uh, once you've kind of tapped that bank of mom and dad for that initial down payment, they're probably never going to have to uh, worry about you again. But this uh, BMO report, it came out quite recently. And uh, yeah, it's finding that people who are buying their second homes or perhaps even their third homes and that are, are trying to move up in the market, they are just as much as first-time home buyers. 42% of them, which is the same percentage of first-time home buyers across Canada, are looking to family to help them kind of get that extra bit of, uh, of down payment for the new home. 
Isn't that fascinating? And so we also have some numbers in the report about the average um, uh, price of, of homes for first-time buyers, don't we? Uh, yeah, we do. They're planning on spending an average of three hundred and twelve seven hundred thousand dollars. So um, that's uh, down a little bit from wow. two thousand fourteen, and uh, the. Uh, that's despite housing, rising house prices, and I think it's uh, just increasingly difficult for those first-time home buyers to come up with that down payment um, with the rising cost of living generally. So what, what people are tending to do more, I believe, is buying condos and finding that they are further and further pushed out of buying um, townhomes or, or certainly detached homes. So I think that that's why we're actually seeing first-time buyers across Canada spending a little bit uh, a little bit less than they previously were. How fascinating. Are there any numbers in the report, Joanna, about um, the average size of a down payment from these, these buyers at all? Um, well, the uh, first-time home buyers that are turning to, that are turning to their parents um, for help they're expecting them to uh, either loan or give them um, around an average of about 12% um, as, a, as a down payment. So they're probably stumping up the rest of them themselves. What's really interesting when you look at the upsizer group is that uh, those ones who are expecting to get help from family, they are expecting to get about 20%. So they are looking for bigger amounts of money um, wow. at that second home stage. So that's a really unexpected uh, finding, I thought, from this particular survey. That was uh, what really caught my eye. You know, one thing that, that catches my eye here, and I think a lot of listeners uh, on our show um, are, are going to be a little, a little surprised by these numbers. Obviously, here in Windsor-Essex, uh, our average home price is in the $200,000 range. So we're, we're a bit, uh, you know, a bit lower. Um, yeah. But I can tell you, you know, on our team and in our industry here, it's very rare that we have buyers that are coming up with 20%, especially first-time buyers, down payments. We are typically seeing the minimum of 5 or 10% um, down mm -hmm. payment. So this, these numbers uh, definitely shock me quite a bit, um, especially with you know yourself in Vancouver and and um, anyone in Toronto with with the higher uh, higher priced homes. Yeah, and you know it's uh, it's always the same story, and it, it's the same story with the um, the the Canadian Real Estate Association figures that uh, that came out just a few days ago about average prices. What you're finding is that the kinds of things that are going on in the Greater Toronto area, in the Greater Vancouver area, they are skewing the numbers for for the whole of Canada. So um, in a way, it's probably worth stripping out the numbers um, sometimes just to see what is the uh, more typical uh, picture in areas outside of those two uh, main metropolitan areas. I mean, if you, um, uh, if you look at the average, uh, national average house price um, just last month, that's 450 thousand, uh, uh, nearly 451,000. Um, but if you strip out Vancouver and Greater Toronto, you're looking at um, 345,000 for the average price of a house across the whole of Canada. So it really uh, does make a big difference when you, uh, when you kind of factor in those two areas. Wow, that, that that's shocking. Listen, Joanna, that, that's fantastic, fantastic information, and, and we definitely love uh, hearing it, and we love having you on. Thank you so much again. We appreciate the help. Thanks. It was great to chat to you, Dan.
That's Joanna Connolly, editor of Real Estate Weekly Newspaper and rew.ca. So coming up now, we have our very first home staging tip of the week. Uh, And with us in the studio is Monica Bundy, the home stager for the Dan Jemis Real Estate team. How are you, Monica? What's today's tip? Today's tip is first impressions. Uh, Yes, the front door. Uh, actually, before you even get to the front door, when you're when uh, potential home buyers are in their car driving into your driveway, that's when they're already assessing your house. That's yeah. when they're already seeing it and saying, "Okay, yes or no, do I want to go through that front door?" So that is so important that that first impression is is beautiful right from the outside. Yes. Um, so what I say is remove anything that doesn't need to be there. If you have a small porch um, and the walkway leads to, right to your front front door, make sure there's nothing in the way. Uh, kids' toys, garbage bins, recycle bins. Sometimes I'll go to a house and that's the first thing I see is a red yeah. or blue recycle or bin. Or a garbage bin or something. Yeah, yeah. and nobody wants to see that because it reminds them of work. Put it to, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it does. <laughs> i got to take out the recycle or the garbage. Um, move it to the side of the house or in a garage or in the back in, in a shed somewhere. You know, and they make those nice, um, those covered, almost look like a, a mini shed yeah. that you can hide your bins or your yeah. recycle bins yeah. in now. Those are a, a lease of an eyesore, so yeah. that's nice. Yeah, put something like that there. Um, if you do have a larger porch, a cute little table with two chairs is is awesome. Um, it gives it a welcoming, cozy area. Oh, I can have a, uh, my morning coffee there or tea, uh, something like that. Flank your front door with um, maybe two urns and seasonal flowers or hanging baskets. Something like that, just so that it, it it's appealing and somebody can say, oh, I, I this is enjoyable. I want to walk to this house. Love it. So, yeah. Love it. Um, a couple other things. Um, storm doors. Storm doors are pretty important. And sometimes they're nice and sometimes they're not if it's um broken or damaged or horrible just take it off and just have your your front door there yeah. uh, that looks a lot better than you know a broken down storm door um mailbox is very important too if you if you get door-to-door mail make sure your mailbox uh <laughs> is there and works not much longer well yeah i know <laughs> that's a whole other topic dan <laughs> we don't have time for that wrong show <laughs> wrong show right um and uh your address make sure people can see the number on your home the worst thing is when you're driving by and you can't see or you have to slow down and uh, is this the house you want to identify your home with those numbers for someone who drives around for a living looking for addresses you know like like us as realtors yeah it's very important yep yeah yep, absolutely um light fixtures is also number one if there is a showing at night um you don't want somebody walking up to a dark home so yeah. make sure you know you have light fixtures in the front and the light bulbs are working Great. Uh, that's very important too um you don't want to get anybody stuck in the dark um, spray, spray wash, spray wash the whole front, spray it down. Um, just clean it up, tidy it up. Um, a nice welcome mat, a nice clean welcome mat is beautiful. Um, and another important thing is awnings. Um, yes. if they're torn, moldy, ripped, get rid of them, either sew them, fix them. Um, but some people overlook those things yeah, too. They so do. it's not yeah. hard to do. No, not hard no, to do. no. Great tips, Monica. Yes. Listen, uh, what, what's, uh, what's up for next week? Uh, next week, uh, very important, how to declutter. P- a lot of people struggle with this. Oh. So I'm going to give you a few tips on how to declutter. One of the biggest challenges. Thanks for uh, coming today, Monica. Thanks, Dan. Monica Bundy, the home stager for the Dan Jemis real estate team. Lots more to come on the show. Coming up next, we talk all about internet, fast internet, which I don't have at home. So this is a huge topic for me personally. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show, an advertising feature on AM800. For more details on today's guests and show topics, or to listen to past shows, visit the Dan Jemis Real Estate Team website at danjemis.com. Welcome back to the show. If there's one topic that gets my blood boiling more than any other, it's access to reliable and fast internet. In today's day and age, I find it absolutely incredible that fast internet access is not available to everyone. Well, that's where the SWIFT project comes in. It's a program that's been initiated by the Western Ontario Wardens Caucus in partnership with the Southwest Economic Alliance to build an ultra high-speed fiber optical uh, regional broadband network for everyone in Western Ontario. I just so happened to come across the SWIFT website a few weeks back when uh, my ridiculously slow internet was having a good day and let me load the page. And uh, I took a look around, and it got me all excited. So I figured, hey, let's get them on the show. So joining me today to tell us all about the initiative is Jerry Marshall. He's the warden of the county of Simcoe, and he's also the mayor of the town of uh, Pentanguishian. Thanks for joining us today, Mr. Marshall. I'm very well, thank you. How about yourself? Well, I'm very good. Now, it appears I'm not the only one that's sick and tired of ridiculously slow internet access, am I? Oh, God, I, I tell you, we hear it from one end of uh, southwestern Ontario to the other. It's a, it's a constant... Uh, a demand from uh, you know from residents, uh, from cottagers, from uh, uh, businesses, from industrial complexes. I don't think there's an area across uh, southwestern Ontario that hasn't uh, had this issue brought forward to one of the political bodies, to the one of the local uh, service providers. So it's it's a truly a large issue that needs to be resolved. It sure is. So let's start by uh, maybe telling us a bit about how the Swift project came to be and, and why it's so important. Well, I think how it came to be was the municipalities uh, recognized uh, right across the southwestern Ontario and actually even eastern Ontario uh, a couple of years back that uh, broadband was a significantly uh, uh, missing uh, link in terms of our ability to grow our towns, to uh, attract businesses, and to keep businesses in our towns. And so, you know, with that from a political perspective, uh, you know, political leaders, mayors, councils, wardens, you know, started to look at this issue and said, listen, we need to collectively uh, put our brains together here and uh, and find a way to uh, correct this problem and start uh, uh, start making a change before it's too late. What are the current barriers to broadband access? Well, actually, I'd say a lot of it is simply, um, you know, it's it's the business case. You know, the uh, private sector, of course, are in, yeah. in business to, to make a profit and have a return on their investment. And so that was one of the barriers is to drive fiber out is it's a costly exercise. But municipalities are in the business of actually providing services to our uh, citizens. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this SWIFT model really is is marrying two opportunities together. Uh, how can the municipalities get involved uh, to help uh, drive fiber out while still making it a cost-effective business case for the private sector? So now let's go back to, to the to the business, or I guess the, the reason that, that SWIFT came to be. So... The, the point of SWIFT is to get broadband access, to get high-speed fiber to yeah. every home in... Every home in, in southwestern Ontario. And what we're talking about there is that's 322 communities, 3.5 million people, and about 1.2 million properties. And so our plan really is to, to get this all done in a, uh, you know, from now until about the year 2040 is, is the long-term plan when that last piece of fiber would go in. Uh, the reality being, though, is as we build this model out, the fiber will start to ex extend out to uh, uh, you know the far reaches of each community, and where that fiber stops, uh, will towers will go up and broadcast uh, out further into the distance to make sure that those folks get connected. So, while the last piece of fiber will go in in 2040, 
it is our anticipation that probably 85% of the homes that have poor internet services today will actually have, uh, you know, one gig service uh, or thereabouts uh, by the next seven to eight years. One gig service within the next seven to eight years. Yeah. Uh, wow. For those on the fibers, where we're, we're headed in like 2040, we're saying all those homes would have one gig service uh, right up to the last farmhouse and uh, at the very last mile of, uh, of the network. So we talk about um, the the big service providers. So um, you know the 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 cable companies, the satellite companies, the phone companies, and and large cost of them. How are we going to pay for this program? Well, actually, the, it's about a two. The first launch of it is about two hundred and forty million dollars. And really how we're dividing that up is we're looking for assistance from the federal government of $80 million, actually it's 81, and then another $81 million from the provincial government. And that leads to the final $81 million. And how we're splitting that up would be $16 million invested by the municipalities and the counties mm-hmm. and $65 million coming in from the private sector. Now, having said that, the private sector are not writing checks for that $65 million. They're going to give us access to their fiber networks. Okay. And in order for us to, um, uh, in order for um, uh, for them, uh, for the private sector to get uh, funding from us, they'll have to provide open access to the fiber network. So, in other words, any any uh, uh, any other private sector business can have access to, let's say, Kojiko's network on their fiber. Wow. Uh, uh, you know, because uh, Kojiko's uh, like part and parcel with the with the plan. So, you know, providing that Kojiko comes in, but but you know, theoretically, that's where we're headed. Is if you participate, then that high speed highway is open to everybody and uh, no barriers, and that'll help uh, keep costs down and drive competition out and still drive that fiber out to those homes that need it. Do you see any pushback from the, you know, the cable companies, et cetera, from this program? Actually, we met with, actually, perfectly timed question, I met with Kojiko and, uh, and Rogers just this past week, and uh, very positive discussions with both groups. Very, both groups are very intrigued by the uh, uh, project and its possibilities, and both are committed to participating in, uh, in the process and bidding uh, when we actually put this all out to RFP uh, and then, you know, hopefully you know, by you know, the fall of this year. That's, that's, that's outstanding. Now, I'm seeing online here um, various stages, and, and you've already moved across uh, quite a few of them. Tell us about the stages. Well, actually, you know, the first stage is to actually get a, a request. To, you know, we're going to go through a qualification process. Well, let me back up one. First, the next step is we're improving our business case to both the federal and provincial governments at the moment, mm-hmm. and it's the Ministry of Infrastructure. And so we've got uh, our business case into uh, the, uh, the provincial ministry about a week or two back, and we're sending them updated version this week. And we sent the one to the federal government uh, just this past week as well. Uh, so our business case is now presented, uh, or positioned in front of both uh, ministries. So we'll wait for their feedback to come back. Uh, once we get the funding from those folks, then we can open up the uh, uh, process to uh, qualify uh, participants across the province, and then, of course, go into a full uh, request for proposal uh, positioning. And so when are you anticipating um, that the work, the actual physical work, will, will start? Oh, we'd like to see it start as early as next year. So wow. we'd like 2016 to be, you know, have the, as I put it, have the car in gear and let's get going. So uh, the wardens are are anxious to get going. I'd say the service providers would be anxious and certainly our, our citizens would be very much anxious for us to move forward as well. I imagine you've had every single warden and, and mayor in, in Western Ontario jumping at, at this yeah, yeah. For for the most part, yeah. it's been a success story. Um, if you look at southwestern Ontario, when we say that, it really goes from uh, from your neck of the woods right up to Aurelia. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's uh, 14 counties, and there's eight separated cities, such as Snowberry, London, uh, and and the like. So we've got that uh, that footprint going, and the project has also caught their friends uh, interest of our friends over in Niagara Falls as well, the Niagara area, 
and so they're looking to participate as well. So all of a sudden, our project has uh, gone beyond just the southwest. We're starting to uh, to migrate into uh, Niagara region as well. Is there anything that the listeners can do uh, to to help this you know uh, project get rolling? Well, absolutely. I think you know it, you know there's a federal election coming up, and I think there's mm-hmm. some folks out there that uh, are running for election that uh, should be aware of the SWIFT project, should be aware of the benefits to their citizens, and, and make sure that they. Um, uh, make some commitments to help the cause and to, and to join in in the effort to uh, you know uh, get that broadband up to where it needs to be. Uh, give us information on where we can find uh, find out all about the Swift Network. Okay, so I think it's www.swiftnetwork.ca, and you can go onto that website and and uh, and check it out there. And I would suggest that any mayor, deputy mayor, or warden. Uh, throughout the Southwest uh, would be a good source of contact because they're all in the know and they're all uh, all in play on this conversation. Well, listen, Jerry, thank you so much for the information. Uh, I know there's there's quite a few of us here in Windsor-Essex uh, that'll be watching this very closely. Thanks for all the information. Well, thanks for your interest and uh, thanks for the support. That's Jerry Marshall, uh, the warden of the county of Simcoe, and he's also the mayor of the town of Pentanguishing. Very in- interesting stuff. Uh, coming up now, we have our mortgage tip of the week with RBC Mobile Mortgage Specialist Kyle Lucier. Hey, Kyle, what's today's tip? Uh, today's tip, we're going to look at first-time homebuyers and more of a checklist on what they should expect and some of the things they're going to look at when they come in for their first meeting. Okay, fantastic. So I'm a first-time homebuyer. I set up an appointment with you. What uh, what do I expect when I uh, when I come see you? Uh, some of the first things are just going through mortgage basics. A lot of the time, uh, we have to look at things like income, credit, and down payment. But you know, we got to really start with some of the basics of what a term is, what an amortization is, and kind of going through things like default insurance, if that's something that uh, we need. Uh, of course, that's when you put less than 20% down. Okay, so uh, should I show up there uh, at our meeting with anything in hand? Yeah, so mainly I always ask that you bring in uh, things like your income verification. So, for instance, most people that are full-time mm-hmm. uh, will bring in their 2014 T4 okay. and a recent pay stub. Uh, as for down payment, depending on if it's an RBC account or somewhere else, mm-hmm. uh, we'll have you uh, bring in 90 days payment history or essentially uh, your transaction history Okay. for those 90 days. Um, if I've just been working for three days, I'm going to have a problem, aren't I? Uh, well, uh, in some cases, but majority of the time, depending on the field, uh, we would just essentially ask you to bring in a letter of employment or even a contract. And we look at things like on if probation or not. So there's different uh, jobs that... Uh, have different really answers to that. Okay. You'll also be looking at credit score uh, as well as you'll be talking about down payment options, correct? Yeah. So credit score uh, is obviously very important. Uh, Most people have never seen their credit score. So we actually go through the credit bureau from start to finish, look at things like payment history um, and really just explain what the credit bureau looks like, what they can do to keep improving it and stay on the right track with it. So some of the basics for credit as well. Good stuff. Down payment, uh, obviously... Yeah, important. some people as first home buyers are it's it's gift to down payment, so we go through that. Uh, gift letters provided if needed, and uh, of course if they've saved it on their own, we go through the uh, uh, pay, you know transaction history to make sure of where it came from and uh, and go through uh, all that. Great information. Look forward to it uh, to some more next week. Thanks, Kyle. Thank you. That's RBC Mobile Mortgage Specialist Kyle Lucher. Lots more to uh, to come when we come back. Here we're going to talk a bit about uh, a couple of funny stories. I know Kath has one that's. Uh, we, we love, um, the buyers love hearing all about it. So we're going to hear, we're going to hear some more about that. And I've got a funny one I'll share with you as well. Okay. Lots more to come right here on the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show. 
For real estate service you can count on, call the Dan Jemis Real Estate Team. For real estate advice you can trust, you listen to the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show, a paid program on AM800. Here's your host, Dan Jemis. Welcome back to the show. We have um, a couple of funny stories that people have been bugging us to share. And uh, we're going to share them with you. But first, I want to talk about to some featured listings. Kathy, you have a couple for us? Uh, yes, I do, actually. I have an older two-story home in Amherstburg. And it's not on the water, but it's across from the water. But it has a water lot with a beautiful sandy beach. And the lot that the house sits on is over 700 feet deep. It's just a glorious spot. Um, cool. It's an older it's an older home that needs work, but the location is absolutely fabulous. Okay. So that's a very unique property. Uh, at the other end of the scale, I have a really nice little three-bedroom bungalow in central Windsor with a fenced yard and um, uh, laminate floors and a nice huge storage shed in the back. That's only 79000 so that's a good buy for anybody that's, that's looking for George? something tiny on okay. George. Yep. Um, I've got a nice condo on Sandwich Parkway. Okay. Excellent location there, too. Uh, immediate possession shows beautifully. Fantastic. Great for commuters and uh, retirees. Or Actually, the lady that owns it is just was just a single lady when she bought it, so it's perfect for, for that as well. Cool. Um, we have with us on the phone uh, Susan Riome, sales rep with the Dan Gemma's team. Hey, Sue, how are you? Now, I, I clearly scared you away from the studio, so <laughs> I was successful with, with scaring you last week, but Kath just made it in this morning. So uh, you're you're just getting out of bed, I'm assuming? You missed the show, I'm sure, right? Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I didn't hear any of it. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, Sue. Hi, Kath. So you've got a couple of, uh, of listings that you want to share with us? Yes, actually. I have a great one um, on Lilac Court in Amherstburg. It's a nice size two-story. It's good for your uh, growing family. Um, it has a new roof, uh, 2015, so uh, to handle all the rain that we've been getting. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, and it's uh, four bedrooms uh, and two full baths um, and nicely freshly painted, and it's uh, got a lot of great things. Um, and it's in a um, nice little court uh, cul-de-sac, so a quiet little area. And we also have one on... On Cadillac Street, so that's close to uh, Chrysler, so perfect for the commuters. Um, and it's got a lot of really nice uh, wood trim. And that one, too, actually is a two-story, four-bedroom, so with a couple of baths. And uh, downstairs it has um, a second uh, uh, mother-in-law suite, I guess you could call it. And, uh, yeah, it's a fabulous little find, too. Fantastic. Any buyers, girls looking for anything specifically? Sue, you first? Yes, actually, I have a, a little buyer. Um, she has three children, and she's been trying really hard to find something in the LaSalle area. Um, she's very creative, so she's not uh, scared of a fixer-upper. Um, so even uh, um, she likes a back split or um, a side split, um, not a raised ranch. So for those folks out there uh, that uh, have um, a home that might be a little bit different, she's very creative. So we'd like some, to find her something with three bedrooms and like one and a half bath or two baths. We have, um, it reminds me what Sue just said there. We do have some buyers looking for raised ranches in LaSalle. Mm -hmm. um, Steph and Pete are one of them, Kath, that we have to keep in mind. So we do have lots of buyers looking for raised ranches in LaSalle as well. Yeah. Anybody else, Sue, specifically? Um, no, those are the, uh, that's the first one that comes to mind, actually. Fantastic. Back to bed you go. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> lights out. <laughs> Thanks, Sue. We'll see you soon. And listen, Sue, keep in mind, we're, we're about to do some funny stories here on the show, Kath and I. Um, and I know you've got a couple yourself. So when you come in uh, to the studio next time, we'll go over yours, okay? Oh, yeah. Okay. 
Okay, all right. I'd love Su- to. I've got one about you, and I'm sure everyone will want to hear I'm it. I'm sure they will. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. Thanks, Sue. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right, Kathy, you have uh, any buyers looking for anything specifically? Yes, I do. I still have my uh, retired couple that's looking for a townhouse in South Windsor. They okay. only want South Windsor. has to be a ranch. And uh, not to sound like a broken record, but I need some county properties. Yes. Anybody out there in the county, you can't believe. Everybody wants to get out of the city. They want about an acre, no close neighbors, an outbuilding, all different kinds of price ranges. So I'm really searching for that. Every day I'm searching for that. And farmland. Farmland's also in demand as well, isn't it? Oh my gosh, yes. And price has gone up. Oh, I can't believe how farmland is selling and the prices they're getting. Yeah. Jeez Louise. It's pretty awesome. Okay. People are waiting to hear this funny story. Yours, Kath. I'm I. I've got mine. I'll share. <laughs> well, what's the funny story? <laughs> I have two funny stories. You have two. Yeah, and one of them's kind of embarrassing. But um, I had a past client. I sold their house in South Windsor, and they called me back to uh, have another walk through it because they had been renting it out, and they wanted me to have a walk through. And nobody was home, so they told me just to give them a. Uh, price on it so I drive up to the house and they told me where the key was in the garage so I go into the garage and I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm looking and I I can't find the key to save my soul (laughs) the garage is basically empty so it's not like I had to look through a thousand things but anyways they said it was on this workbench or whatever I couldn't find the key I go back in the car to call them (laughs) and she says well actually I'm, I'm at the house I thought I'd meet you here to show you. And I'm looking all over and there's nobody at the house. What the heck? Oh my God, I'm at the neighbor's house. <laughs> Going through the <laughs> Walking garage. Walking around the garage looking for a key. The houses looked almost identical, you know, the old fashioned yes, South yes. Windsor houses. Oh my God, I was so embarrassed. And she laughed her head off when, when I pulled out of that driveway and pulled into her driveway. That's something you do though. That's, I lo- <laughs> that's what I love about you. It's hilarious. It's just hilarious. She, uh, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit more. Oh no. So I get a phone call this morning uh, from oh, here in the Dan, studio. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> Kath was just here with me last week. And uh, I get a phone call and uh, I said, Kath, well, first of all, I messaged her. I said, Kath, where are you? The show's about to start. She says, oh, I'm, I just, I, I'm not sure I'm lost. I said, what do you mean you're lost? I did not she says, well, I'm <laughs> I'm near Hotel Dew. I said, Kath, the station's at Aletten Tecumseh. Oh. I said, well. <laughs> so we well, joked saying we were about to start, uh, you know, the show without Kath. And... Well, I flew right by. I was looking for the AM800 side. I'm sure. Right? Oh, yeah. Yes, I didn't mean course. fly, fly. But, you know, anyways. <laughs> okay, they need to sec- have a more prominent sign out front. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's your, uh, what's your second story? Uh, the other story was I was showing houses a couple months ago. And the listing realtor told me to use the lockbox and just go in. Nobody would be home. So I've got my lady and her daughter with me and we go into the house and it's, you know, all the lights are off and everything. It is daytime, but so we start looking around and we're chatting about everything and the house showed really quite nicely. And I get to the middle bedroom and I can't find a light switch, which is very common. We have a lot of trouble sometimes finding the light switch. And so I kind of look at the bed for a second and I'm thinking, (laughs) I think there's somebody in that bed. So I tiptoe back out, right? And I says to my lady, I think there's somebody in that bed. She goes, no. So she pokes her head in the room and she goes, no, that's just the way the blanket is. I said, okay. (laughs) So we go to the next bedroom. We go in the basement. We're there like half an hour because she liked it, talking and everything. So we go back by that middle bedroom and I look in again and the whole shape of the The cover is different. (laughs) 
And I'm saying, OMG, I'm telling you, there's somebody in that bed. And we thought, like, why wouldn't have someone said, hello, I'm in here or something. I don't know, but it just gave me the really odd feeling. And we just got the heck out of the house. So you have no idea. It could have been a dog. No, it wasn't an animal. No, it was like a long body form. Oh, my gosh. And I just felt terrible. And I, I just kept thinking if. I guess maybe they were too embarrassed to say they were in there, or maybe they were, because she said they had to have been sound asleep. I said, well, we were there half hour talking, laughing, looking at everything, looking in closets. Why didn't that person say something? I know there was someone in that bed, Dan. I know it. The funniest things, you know, really, throughout the years, we have so many funny stories, and and some of them just stick out more than others, and and your stories were so funny that they took up all the time. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. No, listen, we've got I've got another ninety seconds here. I'm going to use it. My story is a bit too long, Aww. so people have to have to tune in next week to hear mine because it's it's funny too, but it's a bit of a longer story. That's okay. It was I asked you for funny stories. You, you gave them to me. It's I just thought of more sorry. actually. Uh, you just thought of more. <laughs> what, we'll do that another time. No, we'll do it okay. another time. Well, before we wrap up the show, I, I just found a story. Um, Kath, you've been to Vegas. Yes, I have. I've been to Vegas a couple times too. Have you ever stayed at the MGM? Yes, I have. Did you know that um, the MGM currently holds the record for the largest hotel by room count? I had no idea. I know it's huge. It's huge. we had to walk miles to go to everything <laughs> in that it's, hotel. No, of course. Listen, a, a new story comes out. Uh, Mecca to become home to the world's largest hotel. Listen to this. Due to open in 2017, the Abraj Kudai will be the world's largest hotel by room count, a title currently held by the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. The Abraj Kudai will have a reported 10,000 rooms oh over the MGM Grand's 6,100. Wow. The, Ab- the Abraj Kudai is being built in part to cater to the millions of pilgrims who travel to Mecca, the birthplace of the Prophet Muhammad. It is lar- the, the biggest of a mass modern construction being erected in the holy city. Costing $3.5 billion, the hotel will cover 60,000 square meters and will incorporate residential units, a convention center, shopping mall, restaurants, and food courts, as well as a bus station. Wow. A London design firm has been uh, tasked with designing the interior spaces of the landmarked hotel. Ten of the 12 towers will provide four-star accommodations, while the other two will boast five-star luxury amenities. So I've got another place for you to try out eventually, Kath. Wow. More to come after this. To make better decisions when you are informed of what's going on. Real estate is often the largest investment you'll ever make. You want a real estate team you can trust helping you along the way. And definitely be able to make better decisions because of it. Welcome back to the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show, an advertising feature on AM800 with one of the most trusted realtors in Windsor, Essex, Dan Jemis. Well, thanks for joining us today. We had a great time. Kath, thanks again for coming in. You're welcome, Dan. I, uh, will I see you next week? You might. You haven't decided yet. <laughs> I'm still trying. Maybe we'll see Sue, maybe Tina. We'll see. Coming up on next Sunday's show, we're going to have a little more fun and start our first weekly contest. So we're excited about that. We're also going to talk about mortgage fraud, which is a huge, mm-hmm. you know, a huge issue we're seeing right now in the industry. Um, and so we're going to talk a bit about that. We have... Um, a couple of authors that uh, have come up with a couple of, um, of different uh, segments. So we'll, we'll be talking to them. Thanks again for tuning in today and hope all the dads have a great Father's Day. Stay tuned for Kara Rowe and Sunday Morning Live coming up next. 
You've been listening to the Dan Jemis Real Estate Show, an advertising feature on AM800. If you thought about selling or buying a home in the future, the Dan Jemis Real Estate team would love to help. Visit the team's website at danjemis.com or call the office seven days a week, 519-566-5565.